Right. More than eyes can see, more than ears can hear, more than has even entered our minds is what God has in store for us. And who is that available to? Who is that available to? Who is going to achieve more than eyes can see, more than ears can hear, more than what has even entered into your mind? Who is that available to? Well, the Bible says here it's available to anybody who loves Him. So I want to ask you today, are we seeing the Lord's wow? Are you seeing it in your life? Really? Not, not, yeah, 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 not the religious stuff. Are you really seeing the Lord's wow in your life? If so, great. If not, why not and how can we fix that? Isaiah 58 says in the message, you can, you can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it from the message. It says, shout, a full-throated shout, holding nothing back. A trumpet blast shout, tell my people what is wrong with their lives. Um, sorry, I missed something here. Um, they're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They ask me, what is the right thing to do? And love hearing me, having me on their side. But they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? It goes on to say, well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and you fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day that I'm after? A day to show of humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting? A fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. To get rid of exploitation in the workplace. To free the oppressed. To cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, and putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this, God says, and the light will turn on, and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way, and the God of glory will secure your passage. Then, when you pray... God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I will say, here I am. So, why are we not set free? For those of you of us who are not, why are we not set free? Why do we still struggle in relationships? Why do we still struggle in business? Why do we still struggle in families, in homes with our children? Why do we still struggle in certain areas? Well, Isaiah 58, 6, if you go and read it in the message, that specific verse says, this is the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loosen the chains of wickedness, to untie the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. And I want you to imagine when it speaks about the straps of the yoke. If you, if you can imagine somebody's head, 
and they've got metal straps tied in, locked in. That's the straps of the yoke that keeps us in bondage in our thinking. And today is about breaking free from that so that we can live in the wow of what God has planned for us. So if we want that, if we want to live a life of the impossible, you know, how do we unstuck ourselves? The hard reality, if you go and look at Deuteronomy 28, um, the, it says the primary causes of blessings and curses, listening or not listening to God, doing or not doing what he says. Deuteronomy 28 says, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. And listen is repeated twice in the Hebrew. In Hebrew. So the primary cause of all blessing is listening to God and actually doing what he says. But he says, it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So what are we looking for? We're looking for the blessing of the Lord. How do we looking for the blessing of the Lord? By listening to what he says and actually doing it. We think about curses and we think about people manifesting in church. I think we've got this view of people being cursed, you know, where they, they, they're zombie-like manifesting, writhing on the floor. But the devil is a lot more subtle than that. He knows he knows how we think. So I want to suggest a couple of things to you in terms of how we achieve a breakthrough. We work with the unemployed poor who come to us hopeless, bound, absolutely bound in their thinking, not because of lack of opportunities, but because of their thinking. And I want to suggest the following uh, couple of points to you. And I remember it like iPads, but with a T in the middle, so I-P-A-D-T-S. So the first one I want to ask you, I want to ask, is relates to being introspective. Introspective means it refers to our past and our present. Our past and our present. What does God say? Does he say we need to deal with our past? No matter how young you are, does he say we need to deal with our past? Well, Isaiah 58, 6 says we need to be set free. If he says you need to be set free, then we need to be set free. And I don't think he had in mind that we need to spend our whole lives being set free. I don't think we're supposed to get set free on our deathbed and live a life of bondage our whole lives and then get set free. We're supposed to get set free and then live in victory. So when the Lord called Saul, when God called Saul, and I had to go and check if this was actually even the right word, what it said. The people prayed in 1 Samuel 10, and said, Our Lord, is Saul here? Yes, the Lord answered, he is hiding behind the baggage. And you go and look at a lot of translations, it says baggage. He's hiding behind the baggage. He's hiding behind his baggage. In 1 Samuel 17, 22, when the Lord called David, David left his baggage in the care of his baggage keeper and ran to the battle line. Saul missed his anointing. David stepped into his anointing. 
We cannot spend our whole lives dealing and living and accepting our baggage. Have we all got baggage? Yes. Everybody's got baggage. Everybody's, well, not everybody. People have either had a bad parent or a bad teacher or a bad relationship or stuff has happened. We've had stuff happen. But we can't live with that baggage for the rest of our lives. And many people are enduring the consequences of curses and generational things that were done by their fathers and their, their, their ancestors. Stuff that was done then that we are not guilty of, but we still live with the consequences of, and we need to be set free from that. Um, so with the, all of these generational curses and, and, and all of these things, you guys are familiar with the encounter and position for blessing. I mean, Luke and them speak about it all the time. And guys, I want to say to you, you know, you've got to do those things. If you haven't done it, you don't know what chokos and nunus are, are lurking there. Do it. Get it done. Deal with the issues of the past. Deal with the way that you were treated. Deal with stuff that you're not even aware of that your father or your mother or your grandfather was invo involved with. Deal with it so that you can be set free. And I want to say to you, if there are patterns in your life, if you are seeing patterns, I can just never get a breakthrough. I want to tell you there's a reason for it. And it needs to be dealt with. So, what, is, what does the Bible say about our present? So, we're introspective, we're dealing with our past, we're dealing with our present. I just want to look at two things. I want to ask you, are you honoring your parents? Honoring your parents, honor your mother, honor your father. It's spoken about in the, in the Old Testament, right? But Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 says, The first commandment with a promise says, Obey your mother and your father, and you will have a long and happy life, so that it may go well with you. So what does it say if you don't honor your parents? I'm not saying we've always got to like our parents. Okay, and we deal with enough people in, in our classes where they've got parents who are wicked. Okay, I'm saying you don't even have to always like your parents, but you've got to honor your parents. And if you've got broken relationships right now, go today. Don't even go to bed tonight. You fix it. Why, why, why would you spend the rest of your life with issues with your mom and your dad and suffer as a result? It's not worth it. There's too much to be done and there's too much waiting for you. What about self-imposed curses, self-imposed, things we speak over our own lives? Proverbs 23, 7. What does it say? As a man thinks, so is he. If we're going to read about the armor of God, it starts, you know, you see a, 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 a gladiator with an armor. And immediately we'll, we'll think, surely God would start at the top. He'd say, okay, the helmet, um, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. But he doesn't. He starts with a belt. He starts with truth. Why does he start in the middle? Because if you don't have truth, nothing else is going to work. Because if you don't have truth, how are you, you going to operate from the, through the Spirit? How are you going to be righteous if you don't have truth in your life? We've got students coming to our classes who, who come in and, they, and their view is the, 
we are unemployed because there are no jobs. And when we say to them, it's not true, there are lots of jobs, they'll say, no, there are no jobs. And we'll say, it's not the truth, there are no jobs, they'll say. So we sit and do interviews with them, and the interview's terrible. And we listen to the way they work, and their, their work ethic is poor. And we're saying to them, but that's not you're, not, you're not unemployed because there are no jobs. You're unemployed because you can't pass an interview. Let's teach you so that you can get a job. It's about truth. So how introspective are you with all of that stuff? What do you keep saying? What do you keep saying? You keep saying, you know what, the economy is hard. Business is tough. South Africa is a tough place to live. You know, if you're white, you can't survive in this country. If you're black, you can't survive here. Because the whites have got everything. And if you're white, you say, oh, we can't survive here. Because the blacks have got everything. Well, who's got everything? And what about our homes? What do we say in our homes? Do you come home every day and say, I hate my boss. I hate my job. I hate, I hate my life right now. It's too hard. I'm tired. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. You know? You know what I'm talking about? Every day. I'm so tired. As a man thinks, so is he. So if you're tired every day, what are you going to be for the, for the rest of your life? You're going to be tired. I spoke to a, a friend of mine, a lady that I know well the other day. She says, you know what? She says, I'm so tired. I said, really? She says, I'm three years tired. She's tired. And she's going to be five years tired. And then ten years tired. As a man thinks, so is he. Don't speak these words over yourself. When Rebecca mixed up Jacob and Esau, and she said, what did she say? She says, I'm going to take the curse upon myself. Don't worry, my son. I'm going to take the curse upon myself. Go and read for yourself what it says at the end of that verse. You know what she starts saying? She starts saying, I'm so weary. I'm so tired of life. She took a curse upon herself, and she said, at the, towards the end, she started speaking. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of life. I can't do this anymore. Don't. Don't do it. When Peter denied Jesus three times... And Jesus then afterwards took Peter to a private place. And what did he say? He said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me a third time? Why three times? Maybe it's to, de to denounce and to go against what Peter spoke over his life. People say jokingly, when you ask them, how are you? Oh, under the circumstances, I'm fine. Well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You should be on top of the circumstances. You should be dealing with the circumstances. We need to hear from God and ask Him, Lord, you know what? What needs fixing from our past? And if there's stuff that needs fixing from your past, fix it. It's not a big deal. Fix it. Deal with broken relationships. If there's stuff that needs fixing from your present, fix it. Adjust the way that you speak. The P stands for prayer support. If you're not thriving, blessing comes from obeying. So if we're struggling to get breakthroughs, guys, you need to get people praying for you. 
You need to surround yourself with people that are praying for you. Get your friends to pray for you every day. One Monday, one Tuesday, one Wednesday, one Thursday. If you don't have that many friends, get them praying twice a week. But get them praying with you until that issue is gone. We've had issues recently that we're dealing with um, in business and a couple of other things. And we've got people have set up prayer groups for us where people are praying for us. And they're holding up our, our arms like Aaron did for Moses. And I know that if the roles were reversed and they were going through stuff, I would do exactly the same for them. Because I know they love me and we love them. We need to be the body for each other. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The third one is accountability. Again, if you're not getting breakthroughs, are you meeting with people? Are you meeting with people who are able to speak straight into your life? Are you prepared to make yourself vulnerable to wise, godly people who can speak truth into your life? It's not easy because we speak Christianese and we speak religious stuff. But are you willing to have someone speak truth into your life? And you know, blind spots. Blind spots are terrible things. So a blind spot in our life is an area that we're messing up, but we can't see it. You, all of you, if you had to mention somebody now or think of a friend, you know what their blind spot is. Well, the sad thing is they know what your blind spot is too. Okay. And that's the dangerous thing. If it's an individual person, it's quite easy to fix because you can possibly meet with people and they can speak into your life. If you hold yourself vulnerable, if you make yourself vulnerable, fantastic, you're prepared to fix it. Where it becomes difficult is if you're a couple, because that's all you know, or if you're a family, and that's all you know. And as a family or as a couple, you need to surround yourself with people who can speak into your life. So, my husband Walter and I, um, every now and again, we have an argument. Okay? And I don't know if you ladies have sort of ever had this, but do you know when you have an argument and you know you're right? Okay? <laughs> Not only do I know that I'm right, but I've even constructed, carefully constructed evidence, okay, to prove that I'm right. I'm right. It's clear if I had to go and explain it to anybody else, they would agree with me that I'm right. So I, I, a habit I've worked hard to form over the last, over the couple of years is to actually, whenever I'm Whenever I'm in a bit of a conflict situation with anybody, is I go and I say to God, God, okay, I know I'm right here, but just in case, won't you show me what my role is in this thing? Because like we're looking at 100%. Out of 100, you know, what's my role? We're looking at 2%, 5%. What is my role? And the scary thing is how often does God not show me? Not only how responsible I am for the argument, but the fact that I am more, way more responsible for the argument than what I thought, or alternatively, that I'm completely guilty. It is annoyingly 
accurate. And it's something that you should try. And why, why do we do it? Is it easy to do it? Is it easy to do that? It's because, you know, it's a hard issue, eh? I'm right. I'm justified. And to stand before God, then, and God somehow shows me, yeah, but you know how you handle that situation. This is, what you, this is where it all comes from, because you, you did it like that then. And to then change it, and after I have told him that he's wrong, go to him and say, I'm sorry. Why do we do that? Why do we do it? Because we want to get rid of all the stuff. Because we want to move on to the exciting and amazing life that God has got for us. We don't want to sit with the baggage of an argument for a week. Number four, do something. Do something. Do what needs to be done. If you're riding a horse and you get off of the horse, you can't say, God, you know what? You just please make sure that this horse doesn't run away. Surely God expects us to tie the horse. And you know, in our lives sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, there's stuff that needs to be done. If you're not managing your finances well, well then draw up a new budget. If you're not getting a job, pound the pavements. If your business is struggling, get people to surround you, can pray for you and speak life into your business. Get, get, it, get people who are, who are good and prophetic and let them speak into your business. But do something. If your marriage is in trouble, get counseling. But you have to be set free. Number five, if we're not thriving, and this, this thing, I can't tell you how important this is. If you're not thriving, are we thankful? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, probably my most precious verse. Be joyful always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances does not mean when the sun is shining. All circumstances mean when it's tough, when it's hard, you need to thank God. God likes a thankful, humble heart. You need to thank Him for everything. Every situation that you're going through, we have faced situations in business where we have faced near bankruptcy where we've had people being unethical towards us, someone stealing some, some stuff, and it was had devastating consequences on a business that we had a number of years ago. And somehow someone gave us this scripture, and we started thanking God for the situation. It was a matter of three weeks. We'd been suffering through it for months. Within three weeks, the issue was resolved. Why? Because we're releasing power to do what God needs to do. The last one is stand. Ephesians 6.13, we've seen put on the full armor of God, and we need to start with a belt of truth. But once you have put on the armor of God, it says we need to stand. You've done what needs to be done. You've spoken to the Lord. You've got people praying for you. You've done what needs to be done, and we need to stand. So to, give it, to make it practical in, these last few, um, in this last while where we've been working through things, we check ourselves. We say, okay, have I checked if there's anything in our past that needs to be dealt with? Yes, there was some stuff that we need to, to deal with. Good. Have we checked our present state of mind? Have we adjusted the way we speak? Yes, we've adjusted it. Good. Have we set up a prayer network specifically for these two issues? Yes, we've set up a prayer network. We've got people praying. 
Are we meeting with people weekly or, or regularly to hold us accountable? Yes, we are. Have we tied up our horse? Have we done what needs to be done? Yes, we have. Have we adopted a thankful spirit? Yes, every day we're thanking the Lord for those situations. And have we put on the armor of God? Good, yes. Okay, then stand. Good, we're standing. Why? Why all of this stuff? Because we want access to the impossible of God, which is where we started. And it's a funny thing. I woke up the other morning and um, this thought came into my head. I want to be amazed at what I do. I want to be amazed at the brilliance of what I do. I want to be amazed at myself. Does that sound terrible? It does, eh? It's like grace. But you know what? It's not. Because I want to be so amazed at what God does, does through me that I know without a shadow of a doubt there's no chance that I could have done that. I want to look at what God does through me in my life and say, wow, this is amazing. My life is awesome. God, surely we need to want that. 1 Corinthians 2.14, yes, it says, What God has planned for people is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard has never even entered our, our minds. I don't want to wait till heaven to see the brilliance of God. I want to see the brilliance of God now, and then I want to be blown away by the brilliance of God when we get to heaven. But it also says, God's Spirit has shown you everything. His Spirit finds out everything, even what is deep in the mind of God. You are the only one who knows what is in your own mind, and God's Spirit is the only one who knows what is in God's mind. But God has given us His Spirit. That's why we don't think the same way that the people of the world think. So, we have access to the mind of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit searches the mind of Christ and then tells us. Chris Vallotton speaks about us about a cell phone, a smartphone. And he says, you know, you've got your smartphone and you've got a, a whole lot of information downloaded onto the phone, onto the hard drive of the phone. But what gives the phone its power? Access to the internet, to the world wide web, right? Okay, so us, what are we? He says, we've got information downloaded into our hard drive, into our brain. But who do we have access to? We have access to the brilliant mind of God. We have access to the brilliant doctor of doctors, the brilliant engineer of engineers, the brilliant teacher of teachers, the brilliant parent of parents. We have access to that mind. Why then do we want to be average? Can you imagine a teacher who adopts this thinking and says, I can have access to the mind of Christ to the mind of God, to the brilliance of Him, that teacher will change generations in families and cities. Romans 15, 18 says, I have no interest in giving you a chatty account of my adventures. Only the wondrously powerful and transformingly present words and deeds of Christ in me that triggers a believing response among the outsiders. In the CEV, it says, all I want to talk about is how Christ let me speak and work. How? In closing. 
Well, Acts 1 verse 8 says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We'll be tired and worn out and it'll show. <laughs> Why do we think the, world, the way the world thinks? Lord, let me never settle for average. Let us never settle for average. Lord, expand our thinking. Expand our thinking so that we can get a glimmer of what you've got planned for us. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think differently. I want you to ask him to transform your mind so that you don't think the way that the world does. So are you set free? If not, what are you going to do about it? If you are set free, what are you going to do about that? If you don't know, ask the Lord. Surround yourself with people that can speak into your life. Deal with the past. Deal with the present. Thank the Lord. Be thankful. Break the things that you're in bondage to. But act. Get free. Step into your purpose. And I want to say this, because this, this thing set me free from a lot of expectations, or a lot of doubt. The things that excite you are not random. The things that excite you are not random. Very often they are linked to your purpose. Start asking the Lord, what is this? It makes my heart beat. For me, 15 years ago, the poor made my heart beat. Why did I wait till I was 35 <laughs> to ask the Lord what I was supposed to do with my life? I wish, and for those of you who are young, I wish I had learned about the mind of God and the impossible of God when I was 15, 10, 20 years old because I would have saved so much time. And for those of you who still say, I can't. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My power is strongest when you are weak. And I want to close with this scripture. Isaiah 62. People of Jerusalem, people of George, open your gates. Repair the road to the city and clear it of stones. Raise a banner to help the nations find their way. Here is what the Lord has said for all the earth to hear. Soon I will come and I will save the city of Zion. And I will reward you. Then you will be called the Lord's own people, the ones he rescued. And your city will be known as a good place to live and full of people. Amen. If we can, just, um, just in closing, um, I just want to ask you guys, you know, if you've got stuff that needs to be dealt with, um, I'm sure there'll be a team of people up here, right, Luke, that can come. You know, you might not be able to deal with the issues here. Okay, but start the process. Get set free. You don't have to be in bondage. But I want to speak just to the rest of you and perhaps just pray for you. For those of us who want to live this life of impossible, I want you to stand with me so that we can pray together. And we can step into a different way of living, a different life, and into the impossible of God. Will you stand with me, please?
Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, for what you revealed to us. Thank you, Lord, that when we think we actually know something, you just show us how little we know. Thank you, Lord, that you are, that you are charging us, Lord. Charge us, Father. Grab us by the heart. Grab us by the heart and squeeze it, Lord. Let us be passionate about the things that you're passionate about. The things that break your heart, let them break our hearts. The things that you want invented, let them, let, them, let them enter our minds. The things that you want done, let them enter our minds. The things that you want built, let us build them, Lord. Put those thoughts into our mind. But please, Lord, free us, clear our minds so that we have access to your mind. We thank you, Father God. We are so grateful. Thank you that we, are, that we don't have to live a life of ordinary. We just honor you today. And we glorify your name, Father. In Jesus' name.